Hello and welcome to I Have a Story to Tell with Wadzanai Mabuto. Today I have the honor and the privilege to be joined by Grant Khrief. Grant Khrief is uh, a CA. He, he was also one of the finalists of the 2019 Top 35 Under 35 Chartered Accountants in South Africa. I am so honored and privileged to have Grant on the line as he is going to tell us his story of how he navigated the space of building up a startup and also um, in the areas and the lessons that he learned with regards to leadership. Grant, welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Wilson. I'm yeah, really happy to be here and looking forward to sharing. Awesome. I am so excited about this conversation. Uh, just to give the audience just a brief uh, 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 history of how Grant and I came to be. Uh, literally, Grant and I were selected to be one of the mentors at a Saika uh, CA exchange session. Um, and then we linked up on LinkedIn. We actually have never met virtually. Like, in, 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 we, we've met virtually, sorry. We've never actually met in person. But we just have like a kindred spirit and we just connected and we were mentors at the Saika exchange. And then after that, we started discussing how we can also have a further discussion on on this podcast so i'm so honored um, grant that you agreed to come and share your story with us today but before we get into the into the nice meaty stuff i want to just find out a bit about yourself um, who is grant where does he come from um, tell us about your family where did you grow up are you an only child are you the eldest are you the youngest what does what did growing up look like for grant all right, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell the whole story. Um, so I think from our side, you know, I was I was brought up in uh, Port Elizabeth in the Eastern Cape. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there moved, my family got transferred to Johannesburg, uh, stayed there for about five years and then moved to Cape Town. So most of my, most of my high school and tertiary education then was in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. And, and my, my family, I have a older sister mm-hmm. and she is, in more of like the sports massage, the sporting side of things. And my dad's, um, he's within the, call it the plumbing and construction side. And my mom has always been a entrepreneur, but by heart a teacher. So she actually wow. teaches um, um, part-time now. Wow, wow. So you come from a, a lovely, uh, a diverse family that, that obviously has, has been the reason to who you are today. So tell me, you said that you went from Port Elizabeth to Johannesburg to Cape Town. Like, so I know these provinces are all in the same country, but they are completely different provinces. So how was that transition? Because Johannesburg, trust me, I know I also did my tertiary in Cape Town. It was my first introduction to Africa was, was, so that was, was Cape Town. But when I moved to Johannesburg, it was as, as if I was in a completely different continent. How was that change for you? Or were you too young to remember? Or do you remember the transitions from going from PE to Johannesburg and then back and then to Cape Town? Yes, I, I do remember it clearly. I, uh, at the time when I moved from uh, Port Elizabeth to Johannesburg, I think I was around about uh, eight or nine years old. So mm. call it primary school, the majority of primary school in Johannesburg. Mm. And for me, the transition at first, you know, you're very scared to move into a very unknown, um, unknown area. Mm. You have to create new friends. But mm. I think that when we moved there, there was just something also, you know, personally around Joburg that I really enjoyed uh, was the people, was, um, you know, the friendliness around, uh, you know, always going to Sunday Bras or something like that. And, and I think yeah. that just made it a lot easier. And and something that I've always found uh, allowed me to connect with people and, 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 and build connections is actually my sport. So I've wow. always been very keen um, on, um, you know, for sport. And, you know, with, within these team sports, you, you form a lot of close bonds and, and learn a lot. And I think that was, it just made it easier to connect. And then when we moved from Johannesburg to Cape Town, uh, it was actually quite funny because now I had a Paul Elizabeth combined with the Johannesburg accent yeah. and, and I arrive in Cape Town and, and, you know, I'm saying things like like and, and, and all of the different accents that a Cape Townian doesn't necessarily know yeah. or, or kind of um, uh, not familiar with. And, and I think in the beginning it was, it was tough. I was teased a bit, but yeah. at the end of the day, you know, again, Sport, sport was something that I always um, took comfort in and enjoyed. And from there, 
um, was able to, you know, to, to create a lot of friends and, and connections. Wow, that's brilliant. I want to drill down into the area of sport because I, I find it very interesting. So I used to, um, I have a, quite a few friends who run the Comrades Marathon um, and they go as far as putting it on their CV. So way back, I used to be like, wow, some people are quite pompous. How can they, just because you ran, like, who cares? You ran, what, circa 80 kilometers. Who wants to know that it's on your CV? Until I also started um going into the area of sport and realizing that you know there's a certain skill that you learn when you are sweating it out can you talk to us about what sport did for you what lessons did it um give you you mentioned something about the connections that you had um i mean i observe you on linkedin you're very good with people you're very good at networking do you think that skill came from your sporting background well, I think, you know, if I reflect on the landscape of, of sports, you know, you, yeah. you, you're in a position where you yourself, if you have talent and, you know, you have a skill set, that's great. But ultimately, mm-hmm. there's a lot of self-discipline uh, that needs to, that's need, needs to follow through with that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, um, you know, with most of the sports being um, team sports, then there's the self-discipline side and then, then there's the teamwork aspect to it. Mm. And, and and understanding your role that you're playing within the bigger picture. Sure. So I think the the, the sporting experience, you, you know, at, at, at such a young age and then um, flowing through onwards, that just gave me a, a really a clear understanding about not everything, first of all, being about me and mm. realizing also very quickly that it wasn't me that could just save the day. It, it, mm. it was no individual that necessarily could save the day. Mm. And whether that was a conscious or unconscious type of, uh, you know, experience, um, like a thought process, that's mm. something that if I reflect back, that that, that was a key, um, a key kind of factor that, that, that I learned throughout. And, sure. and I think around sport in general for, I think everyone is it is it is an, a very uncertain environment. So you don't know at every, you know, whether it's a game or whether it's a tournament or anything like that, you don't know if you're going to win or you don't know how you're going to perform. And so with that sort of uncertain environment, it allows you to actually learn how to quickly adapt, how to respond to uh, quick changes, how to respond to, uh, you know, unexpected events. And I think that sure. sort of, sort of uh, experience really allows you just to reinforce um, and to and to compound your learning around adaptability sure and and you and you mentioned a very very salient point and and i just want uh, to re, re, repeat those uh, the, the words that you mentioned that the the, the 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 skills that you learned through through sports you mentioned self-discipline you mentioned teamwork and you mentioned adaptability and those words are almost used synonymously with leadership um, and they're very easy words to say. Um, it's very easy to say, be disciplined, uh, be, be a good team worker, um, be, be work well in teams or, you know, adapt, adapt or die. But to live out those principles takes time and takes experience. I'm just going to read out uh, one, your, your first line on your LinkedIn profile. And I just I really, really love it. And I just want to like zone into the leadership uh, part of this discussion. You say, I believe leaders need to focus on creating an environment with the right tool, space, and feedback for people to empower themselves. Grant, that is so powerful because you are talking about leadership that not leadership that doesn't empower the leader, <laughs> but empowers other people. That's almost like counterintuitive because in our minds, when we think, I mean, let's be honest, as human beings, we're just selfish by nature. Let's be honest. We can't even point fingers at other people until we look at ourselves. When we look at venturing out, we're always thinking about what can I gain? But you right off the bat, you say, I am about creating environments that will equip others to empower themselves. Can you talk to us a bit about your leadership journey and how you came to form such a personal mission statement that involves other people because that is is is, is a next level thinking in, in 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 my opinion well <laughs> thanks so much um yeah I, th- I think it's it's 
you know, it's still a fluid process. It's still a, a you know, organic process, and it, it, there's no finite, you know, endpoint here. And and as I, as I always believe, is leadership uh, is is a practice. So it's something that yeah. we that, that we do every day, and we actually don't yeah. always get it right. I, I personally don't always get it right. You know, yeah. sometimes I, you know, do get impatient or I do disagree and, and and reflect back and 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 need to revise things. So mm. I think that for for leadership, how I understand it is the fact that so no one can empower another person. Mm. We can only empower ourselves individually. Oh. So what I mean by that is that, and this is from a personal experience, is mm. I can I can try and convince a team member to um, to really take the opportunity that's presented in front of them and mm. to grab it with you know both hands and, and really give it all. I can give them the best tools. I can give them enough space, both physically and and um, emotionally, and, yeah. and 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 be timely feedback. But if they don't actually grab the tool, if they don't use oh. this, then it doesn't mean anything. And that's the whole, I think, point around leadership is mm. you don't have any control of someone's trajectory because that is genuinely up to them whether they grab those opportunities but you do have control over the environment that they that they're working or are um, you know are in and and that for me is and i think the the best analogy i don't know where i read or watch or um, watch this but mm. ultimately if you think about leadership or how i think about leadership now is that if you think about a conductor and an orchestra mm. so you have the conductor and this person's back is fa- is is facing the audience, all right. Mm. So he is not facing the audience. Then you have the actual the, the orchestra, the you know the musicians, and they are the ones facing the audience. And so the conductor, if you think about it, is the leader. That he or she is serving the musicians, the artists, so that they can serve the audience. Mm. And I think that for me just sure. sums it up in the fact that. Your your focus needs to be on your team. Your focus needs to be on, you know, is it the right tempo that we're going at? Is this the right environment? Is everyone in the right seat um, that's meant to be there? And and wow. are they now fully equipped then to serve and to fulfill their purpose when it comes to their role and so on? So I think it's that sort of line that I've taken. Yeah. And again, it's, it's, it's a practice. It's not necessarily something that there's a perfect formula to it. Absolutely. But at the same time, it's just about allowing people to own their lanes and, yeah. and giving them the tools and equipping them in such a way where they do have the opportunity to grab them and empower themselves. Sure. That, that, that is very empowering for me, Grant, because I think I also used to put myself under a lot of pressure. Um, as you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lecturer I'm at the University of Johannesburg, and every year I have like a cohort of uh, circa 1,000 students under my leadership, quote-unquote. And I used to put so much pressure on myself to equip, empower, and educate my students so that they're responsible global citizens. Like, I still do that. I still create the environment. But like, as you rightfully say, I cannot, like, you know the saying that says, um, you can take a horse to, 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 the, to, to water, but you can't force the horse to, to drink. Um, and then there's another saying that further says, okay, you can't force the horse to drink, but you can make the hay, you can put salt in the hay so that you make the horse, uh, the horse uh, thirsty. Uh, you know, yes. so so it's it's that dance, it's that delicate dance. Um, and what I what would what I would like for you to say is, what words could you say for that person who is under a leadership of a person who has done their best to create that environment, but sometimes the people under this leadership do not have the eyes to see. Um, and you, you know, you could be doing the best that you can, but the people under your leadership don't see that. What advice would you give to somebody who is at varsity, who's about to enter into the job market, job space, um, whether it, it being an, an employee or even an entrepreneur or employer, no matter where you are in life, you're still going to be under the leadership of somebody. It doesn't matter where you're going to be you're going to be listening, um, something. Um, so what advice would you give to somebody who, in your opinion, is in an environment where it is conducive for growth, but somehow they're not taking that up, um, that opportunity up? 
So I think the one of the one of the key maybe you call it a mindset or an attitude, but mm-hmm. one of the key areas that I focus on is a concept or um, a term or phrase called uh, extreme ownership. Mm. And and I think so, so. Just to share just to share a bit about that. So if if I use an example, right, and and this can be in your relationship, this can be in uh, you know in work or like in sport, anything. So. Mm-hmm. If, if, so let, let's use a work environment, um, a familiar environment for everyone. So if you're in, if you're in a work environment mm-hmm. and there's a team member that isn't performing or you yeah. just feel that that team member really just doesn't understand what their role is or what the deliverable was that they needed to execute on. Mm-hmm. The, the, the usual way of what we find within, within the world today is that you you know, you just throw up your arms or you just say, well, you know, I'm focusing on what I'm doing and, mm. you know, that person just needs to get, I mean, like, I can't believe they don't understand, mm. um, you know, why don't they just read it properly. And the, the ownership mindset to this is is taking a very different approach where you're going, if that person doesn't understand, it means that I haven't explained it properly. Wow. If, if, if that person is is struggling, it means that I haven't equipped, um, haven't given them the right tools to allow them to carry on. Wow. Um, you know, taking this into, um, if, if you're a student, if, if, you, if, you, if you're a lecturer and someone doesn't understand the concept or the principle or the situation that you're taking them through, it mm. means that you haven't explained it properly. Yeah. You know, like, so that's, that's what I mean by ownership. Now, Sure. If everyone, if everyone has that sort of um, that sort of approach, you will find it to be a, a very, very healthy environment because then you know that everyone else, along with you, everyone is making sure that they're doing their absolute best to take sure. ownership where they maybe could have done better, and wow. and I, instead of a blame game, instead of you know excuses, mm. and and I, I always kind of reason or with my with my team. I've always said, so the difference, you know, between a reason and an excuse is an excuse, you include a person and a yeah. reason, you just include the, the facts wow. without any control. You know, you don't say the department or HR did this. Or Whenever someone says that, it, it goes sure. into a very murky water yes. and people work past who and they need to just focus on what and how, sure. not who. And I think for me, that that really has been one of the key areas is around how do you take ownership uh, and and make sure that you play your role to the best of your ability. But ownership is key for for everyone and, and making sure that then you set that example um, consistently. Sure. So it's almost like taking a continual pulse check. Um, so not just your PDRs, your performance reviews, but continuously checking is are we all beating to the same drum? Like you, like the analogy you used about the the choir conductor and the and 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 the and the, and the orchestra. What what's the word? The when you're conducting. A, yeah, the, yeah, conducting and then yeah, the conductor and then the orchestra. Yes. Yes. So you you are in charge to find out. Do is that person's uh, flute still in tune? Is it working? Are we all in unison? Um, and, and it's amazing. And I think. To go further and 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 explain to the people in the orchestra that they depend on each other, that if one it's not about and you mentioned it very beautifully when you were talking about the 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 sports uh, arena where it's not about the guitarist winning <laughs> in a song. It's it's not about one individual person winning. It's about the collective as the uh, 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 as the team winning together. And and I think that's a a very important skill to teach. Like I know my students hate group work. Like so, even though we're trying to to encourage them, you know, through through the through putting them in groups, we try and encourage them to to learn about differences and and work with people who are different from 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 them, and to also leverage on on other people's strengths because I know my strengths, um, but somebody can come and cover in my weaknesses, and if we are beautifully aligned, we can make 
beautiful music if if two people with different strengths come together um but i, I think that's where um we don't get it sometimes where we think you know um better to just do this by myself rather than to be in a team um so so i i love how you how you put that across so let's now talk about you know sure grant you've achieved so many things like I am so inspired by you. Like you are 29 years old. You have started up eHire, if I'm correct, when I look at your, your profile. Uh, remember you, you, you started up, you were the CEO of eHire for, for some time. And now you have co-founded um, a company called Open Root. Can you tell us about, and I see you also hear staff efficient services. Wow, Grant, like you, 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 you are like, you are all in. Um, Tell us about this journey of building startups. Um, how has it been for you? Right. Well, yeah. So I think I think it's it. Of course, it's all relative. But yeah. You know, when when I first started, so just just to um, yeah, just to quickly summarize. So I, I founded um, I call it the core main business, Staffish and Services, in 2011, which is. Uh, a, a hospitality waitering bartending type of business where we would you know hire waiters and bartenders out that were professionally trained okay. uh, to events and events and functions, and and that business that that I founded when I was in uh, university, hmm. and and that grew then to a point that when I qualified as a CA in 2017, I moved full time into that business and we and we then acquired another underlying business and then it basically merged into eHire. Wow. So that's kind of how you know that transition went, and and I think that when I when I started the business, when I founded Stofficient, um, you know, if I look back to the genesis of it, mm. it was around the fact that for the grade eleven, I was a runner at a restaurant earning earning pocket money mm-hmm. uh, because um, you know my parents said you know no no pocket money. Yeah, um, I love that. Able to have pocket money. And so basically then in grade 11, I was, I was earning um, my runner, runner wage. And then in, when, I, when I turned 18 in January, the following year in matric, then I qualified to be a waiter because I then could serve alcohol. And, and so in matric, I, I served as a waiter at, at a, like a pub, um, pub restaurant. And then in my, in my first year of varsity, that's when, that's when I kind of became a lot more curious around, okay, well, I, I now know how to waiter in like a, a, a very casual restaurant and pub, mm. but I now want to progress into more of like the fine dining restaurant serving. And so then I, I joined a fine dining restaurant at the end of my, or midway through my first year of university. Mm. And so why I'm saying this is because before I started my, before I started Sufficient Services, I had, I had some sort of competency or skill set around hospitality. And around serving people, uh, call it within an upmarket environment. So, so I felt comfortable and confident in my ability to, you know, to to actually provide that that sort of service. Mm. I ne- I didn't necessarily think I was great at business. I didn't necessarily think that I was very experienced. I wasn't at all, you know, at starting a business. But at least I. I could perform the task at hand when it came to the service. Sure. And, and I think that that for me was, was a crucial part and it wasn't a fancy or technologically, you know, type of advanced business. It was, it was, you know, training people and providing those, those services on a temporary basis for events or functions when people needed them. Sure. And, and that's kind of how we started. And, and, and then I, <laughs> I got burnt many times, uh, many sure. lessons. Um, you know, started other little startups in between, and and, and those those closed down. Um, you know, or just didn't work, mm-hmm. and 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 then that progressed into to eHire, and then ultimately what's happened with the COVID environment mm-hmm. is um, in March 2020 we we uh, had zero revenue because of the lockdown, and the Ooh. business was it was a large business, and it wasn't able to sustain because the events industry will most likely only be coming back um, on a, call it a full scale um, mm. at the end of 2021. So wow. with that in mind, with us you know, literally having zero cash left after, I think it was about June 2020, um, we had to make the call to close down the, the physical side of the business. And and yeah, so then 
what my co-founder Chase and I did um, back in March just to try and find something to do and, and, and try and find any opportunity within this COVID environment is we then founded OpenRoot. And OpenRoot, the whole premise around it was what type of business do we build sure. um, in response to this sort of change, extreme change of environment to, 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 to handle a, a behavioral change that we believe is going to be sustainable. Hmm. So it's not just about, for example, even though people you know, have made a lot of money out of it, but it's not something about just making masks or, or hand sanitizers, mm. which may be temporary you know, over the longer term. Yeah. It's about how to create a business that, 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 that evolves throughout and, 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 and can continue. So that's how we founded OpenRoot and, it, and it's around the logistics and, and more specifically around the automation and integration side of helping SMEs set up their logistics operations. So, wow. you know, kind of the tagline that we that we use is, think of it like the most productive employee you've ever had in, in, you know, in relation to logistics. Because a lot of SMEs don't have a logistics manager. They don't have experience within that space. So if we can come in and help them, um, you know, and set up and automate their systems, that just gives them that extra edge to, to grow their business. You know, Grant, I've got so many questions to ask you from, from just this, like, <laughs> last few minutes. Um, I don't even know where to start. But the first question I want to ask you is, you've got such a high next level thinking. You've got such a high level of resilience. And I'm a strong believer in you are who you surround yourself with. Um, because when the going gets tough, you need a strong um, support system that can see further than you see. That, for, that's from my own experience. Uh, when life has knocked me, uh, you know, in various ways, I just want to find out what sort of people do you surround yourself with to think like you had to close a business, a business that you had been running for over, I don't want to misquote, but for many years, you had to close a business. And out of that crisis quote-unquote you birthed a new business and so for me that just speaks to your thinking capacity you're you're a visionary and i know i'm using big words but um I, and i don't say this lightly you are a visionary and you have a high level of resilience but tell me what sort of people do you surround yourself with in order to get to this level and i'm sure you're still growing you are like I'm sure the grant next year I'm going to speak to is not going to be the grant I spoke to now because you are <laughs> thinking, you are thinking and you're doing, you don't just think, actually, you don't just think, you think and you do. So just to answer the first question, what sort of people do you surround yourself with in order to be this resilient? Sure. So what's an idea? Yeah, I, I, yeah. You know, I definitely don't think I'm an expert in this, um, you know, but, but like you were saying, there's, there's yeah. that appetite to, to learn and to continually learn. Sure. Sure. And, you know, and before I kind of, you know, answer specifically around the, t um, the, the people that I'm, that, that, that I, um, you know, either have mentorship relationships with or, or support relationships with, hmm. I, I also just want to mention that I, I view and it's not necessarily stages of life, but it's call it components or it's, or it's factors within our lives around there's, there's three kind of elements that I, yeah. that I view, view life in, especially from a call it a career aspect. Yeah. And I'll split them into um, three. And the, and, and the first one is learning. The mm -hmm. second one is earning. And the mm -hmm. third one is returning. Wow. And, and so the learning aspect is really crucial for you know continuing your appetite to innovate and to and to listen and to and to yeah. really um, get a get a greater perspective from other people. Mm. Uh, and then and then the earning side is really understanding that there is there needs to be a commercial sustainability to this. Sure. There needs to be um, you know an aspect where um, it, it is uh, viable for you and it isn't just some you know like a black hole that just keeps on keeps on taking yeah and, and the third one with returning is, is it's just understanding that it doesn't matter what age you are mm. you every every single person has an experience that they can share sure and and and, and we need to 
one of the biggest things that I I think, especially in, um, I'm a big believer and supporter of, of mentorship, and I, I think it's crucial for yeah. for um, for any community and and especially a country to, to to prosper and to grow. Is mentorship isn't about someone that's in their fifties, you know, going okay, I'm I'm all done, call it with this supposed career, and now I'm going to give back or so on. Mm. Mentorship can happen when you're when you're literally 19 years old. Mentorship is most likely happening with people in high school, when, when they unconsciously are chatting to their friend and, 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 and giving an experience share. Mm. And that friend now can relate to that experience share. And and I think that really is sure. at, the, at the core of what we all need to really appreciate is the fact that you don't need to wait until you're in your 40s or 50s or 60s to start returning, i.e. to start sharing your experiences with someone because you're if, if we think about a young professional like an article clerk in their first year doing a bank reconciliation and mm. you know they or, or, or you know testing for um for, for cash and they're in a position where once they've done that they have experience and sure. the the next year when the other first year article clerk comes in they do have the opportunity to experience share, which ultimately relates or evolves into a mentorship, whether it be a one-day mentorship or a one-month mentorship. It doesn't matter the duration. The act mm. is the act of mentorship. So, you know, that that's kind of my viewpoint or, you know, the, the understanding around the space. And then the type of people, the support structure and, and that I've associated myself with, now I've got my incredible co-founder Chase. Uh, we've really um, grown stronger together, and mm. Chase is also just, you know, as an individual, um, really excelled um, from a technical point of view, especially within the technology space. And and then I've got my incredible, um, you know, partner, um, uh, um, my fiance uh, Persia. She's been a very like a, a real rock um, through these times. We have our we have our um, investor and 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 like like mentor as well, Mark, mm. and he's been really able to give us different perspectives. And he doesn't tell us necessarily what to do; he just shares with us, you know, um, his viewpoint or just helps us paint the picture a little brighter yeah. or a little clearer. Mm. And and then of course friends, you know, I, yeah. I heard a lovely phrase the other day, and a phrase around the fact that your true friends are the family uh, it's something like your your true friends are family that you can choose sure and and i think it's so true that we need to understand that friends got like we're not talking facebook friends we're not talking yeah. acquaintances we're talking about someone that you you really can rely on and yeah. also someone that you feel accepted yes by. and and uh, you know i think you're a fan of Brene brown as am i and yes and Brene Brown also speaks about, you know, vulnerability and so on. And yeah. ultimately, us as human beings, is we just want to belong. And we so, do. if you can, you can, if you can find yourself in a space, and from my side, I've, I, I've really and continually work work at making sure that I am in a, a space in an environment whereby the type of people that I interact with are um, constructive. It is positive. Sure. It is yeah. uplifting. It's not. It's not just blue sky and naive, but it's, it really is people that are going to focus on reasonings and not excuses. People that are going to take ownership and not blame. And sure. I think that really is is something that um, I, I've really uh, consciously work at. And that's so amazing, Grant. And it, it is in such perfect aligning with the purpose of this podcast and the, and the book that I'm currently writing with the same title that I have a story to tell. Um, because I, I believe in, and you use the word experience share, um, um, and, and it's, it, like I said, it's in perfect alignment because I believe that in telling our stories, two things happen. Uh, we own our stories individually and we accept ourselves individually as we are. And then number two, the other thing that happens is we then accept others because we are fully aware of ourselves and we are no longer starving for acceptance. We're no longer thinking, oh, Grant, please just accept me. Please accept that I'm, I don't look like you or I don't talk like you or I don't, you know, but I fully accepted myself. And as a result, I'm able to accept others. And in so doing that, I'm able 
to to quote Brené Brown as as you rightfully said I I love her like she's 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 just an amazing like she, I aspire to be like her but she's also an academic but she's just taken a a whole new approach to research and she says you know you you need to tell your stories of how you overcame so that they can be the handbook of the person who comes after and just to tell the listeners like the reason why grant we literally linked up yesterday and we had like a 45 minute conversation um on, on whatsapp yesterday um based on a post that he made so uh, uh if you if you check on his linkedin profile he made a post and he basically was was talking about how he started his first business with i want to get the correct amount i don't even want to round up or round down 2500 rands yes and you spent 1045 rands and 10 cents on apron and by you just being that vulnerable to me i can speak for myself i found a link i found a connection with somebody who's a different gender than me to somebody who is a different color to me but i was like grant and i are one <laughs> you know and i was like let me link up with this guy and and you're so right that when we are vulnerable in our stories we then show the links with people who would have ordinarily thought uh what could i have in common with grant and, and you know like you know we all have preconceived ideas of each other yeah. and then now i'm like wow grant and i have so much in common like i i know i talk but i very rarely have 45 minutes talks with somebody I've never met with but just that link made me realize wow okay I also don't have a 1 million rand startup capital um but I've got ideas and I'm so scared to start the ideas because I'm like oh my gosh I don't have money but just seeing your story just gave me that hope so I just really want to commend you and grant to continue on that um a question I want to really ask and I'm so interested in because a lot of people say this to me a lot. They always say when they meet me they 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 always think but what you you don't come across as a CA. Um and I'm always like but what does a CA come across? But now for the first time I now know what other people <laughs> go through when they meet me because I'm now asking you the question. Grant, why CA qualification? You don't come across like a typical CA. How has the CA qualification helped you to align? with what you do with, with with what you are born naturally born to do well um i think <laughs> i think that the so i think what's happened is mm. and and you know i don't know call it when maybe happened right in the beginning of when call it the accountant type of role was formed or was or was truly made explicit mm. but what people have done is they have they they have um they have basically grouped the role of an accountant and the role of a CA together because right. the word accountant is in chartered accountant oh. um is in the phrase chartered accountant or the title tar- chartered accountant where i've always i mean i've even i've chatted to some um aspiring CAs uh, in their articles and i've just said to them that my and saka maybe <laughs> will 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 think differently to this but what i'm mm. what i'm meaning here is that it's almost like it sh- accountant shouldn't be included uh, it should be you know chartered strategist or chartered yes. business strategy or something because the thing is that accounting accounting is one one element out of the many elements so for example yes. you know for for someone that hasn't studied um in the ca realm um um in the past the ca realm includes called it four pillars and yes. the one is the one is uh financial reporting the other one is corporate governance yes. you know the, um and and i don't know what that i just went blank now but the other one i think is um management accounting or tax and know, auditing yeah, tax, and yeah yeah auditing there we go auditing sorry yes. so i didn't do auditing in articles so that's why yeah, me, neither. <laughs> me neither me yeah, neither <laughs> but yeah. yeah governance auditing so i think that there there were pillars and and only one of them was accounting and mm. Yet, yet we're defined by that word accountant. Yeah. So, so for me, my my view of you know a CA and the fact that someone says, oh, but you don't seem like the typical CA. Well, the thing is, the first thing I uh, you know kind of share is that well, CAs are not necessarily accountants. Yeah. And 
as the typical um, kind of uh, paradigm that someone would think of. So for me, the CA is, it's, it's a way of thinking. It's a way of processing a huge amount of information in a very, in a very pressured situation mm. and, and really trying to apply principles to it. But at the end of the day, Psyche and what they've done in terms of creating the CA program and allowing mm. us, what they're doing is they're trying to create the perfect, or they're trying to create the best environment mm. that we need to actually do the work. Yeah. And you need to, your experiences as an individual um, will set the way to what, what kind of brand or what sort of reputation or what sort of um, you know, sharing that you can have with others. Mm. It's based going to be based on what choices you make in terms of what chapters of your story that you choose to open sure. and, and that for me is really important is not letting you you fall into this this bucket of okay i'm an accountant mm. i need to be a financial manager mm. um you know, it, it is it is coincidental that a lot of people that become CAs really enjoy or are very, very um, um, effective at financial management and therefore mm. they go in there and they enjoy it or they, they're passionate about it or they're really confident in it. Yeah. That, doesn't, that doesn't mean that as a CNR, you don't have to be creative. You can't go into marketing. You can't start a startup. You, yeah. you, know, um, you can't get into flipping engineering. Yeah, that me, and that's what I really that what that's what excites me with anyone that has made the decision to become a CA or to go on to this, you know, the story of becoming a CA. Yeah, because you you broadening you you broadening your horizon of yeah. of when opportunities come, they're going to be in very different industries or very different roles, and it doesn't yeah. have to be just within financial management or the finance area. Absolutely. And, and I so agree with you because for, for, for a greater period of my, uh, my, my life, a lot of people would ask me, so, so now that you have kind of aligned your passion, your calling, your, your passion points with your qualification, do you feel that you should have just gone on and become like a public speaker or whatever and started teaching, etc., without having to go through the, the process of going to become a CA? And I always tell people that I would change absolutely nothing about my journey. Absolutely nothing. Those years that I had to focus on my books taught me things that I could have never learned anywhere else. And as you rightfully say, the qualification of a CA uh, through subconsciously or indirectly gives you the skill of assimilating large volumes of information and like creating a golden thread. And as you rightfully say, the institution we belong to, PSYCUP, creates that platform that we can do whatever we want to do. The, 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 the hole we sometimes fall into is that we look left, we look right. And we think, but no one is stepping forward. No one is like, so I remember when I left uh, Investec to, 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 to go into academia, it was a really scary jump because I was the only one of, my, of the trainees who was getting out of corporate into academia. And, and it almost felt like I was wasting a qualification uh, because I was like, shucks, um, everybody else is doing this. But I think because I knew what I wanted to do, I then got the strength to do what I needed to do. But yeah, I think, I think a lot of us are, are, are stuck in that we're looking left, looking right, and we're not seeing anybody else taking that step. And, and I hope, this is my hope from, from anybody who's listening to this podcast, where if they are at that um, edge where they're thinking, you know what, I need to make a big decision right now. But of course, we, we always talk about uh, 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 wise decisions. You don't just jump off the cliff with, without checking. Do you have the right equipment in your in your backpack? What do they call it? To, what, what is it when you paragliding? What's that? The, what is it called? Sorry, Grata. parachute. <laughs> yes, the, there we go. The parachute. You don't just jump off the cliff. I mean, you you jump. You you, you do a calculated jump. 
Um, but it's, it's, I am inspired. I'm inspired by just talking to you because sometimes when you, when you, when you do start up, not even sometimes when you are starting up something, it's a very lonely journey. Um, and, and sometimes people don't quite understand why are you doing things that are out of the norm? So I'm very inspired, um, by you Grant and I've, I've, and I've, and I'm, and I'm no doubt, uh, our, our, our listeners are also inspired. Um, but just to wrap up, Grant, um, I, I'm almost like this question that I want to wrap up with you. I'm just like, you know what, Grant, by December, like do you'll be at another level. What future look like for you, Grant? And I know this sounds like quite an awkward question because right now, 2020 has taught us, um, I saw a quote somewhere that said, whoever in 2015 did a, a five-year plan, um, you are lying to whatever you wanted to have achieved in 2020 will not you, you not have to achieve but i'm still a strong believer in imagining the future because i believe things are created twice it's first created in your mind and then it's created in in, in the physical so uh, steve job first created the ipad and, and don't get if i get the terminology wrong please excuse me i'm not i'm an android user i'm not an apple user but he created whatever the the app the the app the the phone in his head first. Yeah. he saw it in his head first and then he created it so what is in your head grant if you want to share one or two things because i know there's a lot in your head what is in your head and what do you want to see where do you want to see yourself what are you creating for the future so i think what's in our, i think that and i and i love what you were saying earlier there around the fact that you know turning a concept or turning something that is that is intangible and making it tangible yes. and but for me like my the aspiration is i want to and, and again it goes towards what i believe is you know my core, core purpose around um you know building environments is mm. i want i, I want to make sure that we from, from from a south african point of view that that i'm in a i'm in a position where we can we can build an example today of mm. what South Africa should be tomorrow. Wow. And and for me that that's really my, the space where I'm in and and that doesn't necessarily then need to be a specific industry. It doesn't necessarily need to need to be me being the CEO for example. You know, even if I share personally right now, you know, our our startup Open Route it's a startup, you know, it's not a fully mm. fledged flying business. So my co-founder Chase and I have actually had to make the difficult decision and 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 to understand okay well it can't actually financially support both of us mm. and so chase is going to be taking it on you know as the md going forward and 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 um you know taking the operational role i'm actually stepping out operationally mm. and and and, and going to be supporting him from a strategic point but then i'm not in a in a in a, in a stage of my call it story where i'm looking for you know another opportunity with another business and so it's not about me trying to you know own a business or you know be the ceo of a company it's really just the space where i'm in now is i really am excited to be or to join a team or a business where i can continue that where we can set an example today that people can see so that we can actually um you know move to that south africa which um, which I believe is more prosperous tomorrow. Wow. And yes, we have a lot of negativity. Yes, we have a lot of uh, corruption happening. But, you know, there's so many things that are out of our control. And yeah. so we do need to uh, make sure that whether we're a student studying, whether we're a, um, you know, a young professional um, in our first job, we need to do what's in our control to make sure that we actually um, develop from this, gain experience uh, and, 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 who knows if you if you do become uh, you know a, a CEO or a, a leader senior leader within a company then that's when you have that ability or that potential to create a far more uh, ripple uh, a larger ripple effect sure. where with that change that you're wanting for the world uh, or for your country or for your community that uh, can happen and so I think just to summarize for me it's it's right now it's about continuing the learning process, making sure that the next the next opportunity that I jump into on a on a full-time side of things, that I really con- 
um, I, I learn from the best, and I and wow. I and I'm aligned to the type of people that I believe um, are going to uh, progress this country and to progress, um, you know, the, the the potential that we all have. Wow, 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 Grant, uh, build the South Africa we want to see, and I've no doubt that you are the right man to be part of the team to do that. I, I just listening to you, I'm reminded. Um, of, a, of, in a, of an inspirational message by Theodore Roosevelt. I'm not sure if you've heard it, called The Man in the Arena. Um, he, he said it um, as a speech. So I just want to read it to you because this just so resonates with you. And um, I read it every time I feel like, oh, why do I even bother? Like, oh my gosh, like this is just too hard. And I just want to read it. And I'm sure you've read it before, but for the benefits of our of our listeners, I just want to read it. It's a very short message. It says, so it's, it's called The Man in the Arena. It's called, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there's no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end of a triumph of high achievement? And who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while, doing, while, while daring greatly? So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never know victory, no defeat. Grant, you have known both victory and defeat, and you will continually, continually know more victory and more defeat. But I have no doubt that you are the right man to build the South Africa that we want to see. Grant, it was such a pleasure having you on the show, and I have no doubt that we're going to be speaking much more in the future as we try and align ourselves in, in, in this, this bigger cause, greater cause in building the South Africa that we want to see. Thank you so much for joining us, Grant. Thanks, Woods and I. And again, thank you also for creating this, you know, incredible platform and, and actually, you know, following through with actions um, because this is exactly what we need. And, you know, if, if any of the listeners ever want to connect, uh, you know, as you said before, we're yes. both on LinkedIn and, um, you know, very open to connecting and, and starting a conversation. So Absolutely. I think yeah, I'm really excited and, and looking forward to the next, you know, the next couple of months and, and seeing what you continue to do as well. So really, it was a, a great honor to be on here as well. So looking forward to it. I'm so excited, Grant. Really, I am. Thank you so much, Grant. My pleasure. Cheers. Bye-bye.